it is so hot in Johannesburg, scorching really, and in this almost unbearable heat, I can't help but think about growing up in Durban and our family's regular visits to the beach. Many of us who grew up in coastal regions are so nostalgic for those smells and the tastes of being at the ocean. You know what I'm talking about, that smell of sunscreen and the feeling of grains of sea sand sticking to your, your sunscreen skin, ice cream melting and dripping down your fingers, the feeling of cool water. Well, if you grew up in Durban like I did, the water was always warm, but you know what I mean. The beach just evokes incredible feelings of just being happy and carefree and I, I look at that time so, so fondly. This week on The Story, we have four teenagers who were probably looking for that same type of escape. It was a hot day in Cape Town and they're refugees. They've been living in the Central Methodist Church with their families. They've taken refuge there. And you can imagine the scene for teenagers, tired of being hot and stuffy in that church, tired of church services maybe, of the liturgies. And they head out to the beach. They don't tell anyone where they're going. Unfortunately, in seeking some joy and respite, and we have a story that turns to tragedy when four of these youngsters lose their lives by drowning. This week on the story, we are looking at what happened. Specifically, we're talking about the incredible effort by Cape Town officials and the National Sea Rescue Institute, or the NSRI, in trying to retrieve the body of the fourth, the final teenager um, who, whose body evaded them for, for a few days. It's a double tragedy really because not only did these four young people lose their lives, but these four young people were also part of a group of refugees who'd been treated unfairly in their home country and then faced more hardship back in South Africa. It's a story about four young people who tried to get away from a terrible situation and then found themselves in a worse one. You're listening to The Story. It's a new podcast from News24. Every week, we're going to take you inside our newsroom. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard, and uncovered this week. News24's Jenna Etheridge has been covering this story from the very beginning. She's, of course, in our Cape Town office, and we're going to get her on the line now just to talk a little bit more about the story. Hi, Jerusha. Hi, Jenna. Thanks so much for joining us today. Jenna, if you would take us back to when you first heard about the story, how were you tipped off? How did you find out about what was happening? The tragedy unfolded on Sunday around 
two o'clock in the afternoon, the NSRI first heard that four teenagers were um, struggling in the water. And um, these friends were two boys from Burundi. They were 18 and 15. And then a, a boy and girl from the Congo, um, age 16 and 15. And they'd ended up being caught in rip currents um, after entering the water to swim when suddenly a wave washed over them. The conditions on that side are, are pretty rough and also quite deceiving. So I can imagine that it looked very inviting to go in, but they were not realizing that it was potentially a dangerous situation. Sure, Jenna, that's, that's devastating. As this was all unfolding, there were already three surfers in the water who were actually able to get to one of the, the boys, the 15-year-old from Burundi, and they managed to put him on their surfboard. Then uh, an NSRI swimmer saw what was happening and swam out to the surfers, uh, who were about 200 meters offshore. And while this boy was on the surfboard, tried to do CPR to save him. And um, they managed to bring him back to shore and continue CPR, but it, it was too late for him. All right. So on Sunday, they're able to retrieve the first body. Um, can you tell us what happened on Monday? So working through still rough sea conditions and a search area that wasn't really accessible, the rescue team managed to find the body of the 15-year-old girl from Congo. And then shortly after that, under similar circumstances, the police divers found and recovered the body of the 16-year-old boy from Congo. Now it's Tuesday, and at this point they've recovered three of the bodies of the teenagers, that means that one is still in the water. Um, and in fact, many people have said that they could spot this body um, close to the rocks at the specific beach. Um, Jenna, when you arrive on the scene, what are you seeing and what's happening? Um, it was quite grim. The boy was lying on his back on the rocks in what I assume was probably his underwear or his, his swim trunks. And he, he almost looked peacefully asleep. I mean, had I not known better and seeing the rough sea lapping on the rocks around him and understanding what had happened, um, it, was, it was not not good to see. But I think it was too late to, it was too late to unsee. Of course, Jenna, everything about this story is devastating. Um, but I think one of the things that really stuck out for me and many of our readers this week was um, the the fourth teenager's almost stoic father. His name's Felicien. Um, he's from Burundi, as is his family. Um, and he was on that scene. He was watching everything. Um, and he actually refused to leave until... Um, until his son's body was recovered. So tell us a little bit about him and you know what you, what you saw um, of the father on the scene. When, when we got to the scene, uh, it was not long before I identified Felician as the father. Uh, the friends who'd been waiting with Felician were pleading with the police, you know, get divers in the water but before it's too late. I think their concern was that the body was going to wash away. It was a realistic concern. Uh, because the waves were crashing against the wall. And they were saying to the team, don't worry, give us the ropes, give us give us the ladders, give us the ropes, we'll go over the seawall, we'll get his body, you know, what are we waiting for? Um, 
I don't think they even thought about the danger. They just wanted to get the body out. You were able to have um, an interaction with Felician, the father. Um, tell us a bit about that. I never enjoy speaking to grieving families. Uh, it feels very intrusive. And the last thing that I would ever want to do is to make them feel worse. That's always a concern in my head. Yeah, that is. Oh, that's that's so true, Jenna. But I also think it's important to speak to grieving families because maybe they want to speak. Maybe they find it cathartic or therapeutic to speak to someone about what happened. Um, so I asked to sit down next to Felicien and we slowly started chatting and I asked him how he was holding up. I think the words that stood out for me was, all I want for them is to find my child's body. The next thing I asked him was what his son's name was because we hadn't really receive that information in press releases and <laughs> immediately became curious because he, he took out his phone and he started scrolling through his photos. He was actually pulling up a photo of his son's legal papers and he took his finger and pointed at the screen and said, Uamungu John Damor, that's his name. Um, I asked what his name meant and he said, Uamungu translates to child of God. It was bizarre that he was, that he'd pulled out his son's papers at, um, instead of just telling me his name. And I noticed the same thing with his friend, Patrick. When I asked for Patrick's name, he did the same thing. He took out his, his phone and, and showed me his papers. So it was just, I don't know if that was an automatic reaction if, if it's something that they're used to, you know, feeling unwelcome or feeling like they need to prove their existence or prove that they're okay to be somewhere, that that's what you would do is show your papers. It was just, it was sad for me. It was just something which stuck out. So where are we now, Jenna? Um, the fourth body has been recovered. Um, families at least have the bodies of their loved ones. Um, what will happen now? Well, the pastor at the Central Methodist Church, Reverend Alan Storey, he sent out a newsletter to the congregation basically saying that they already managed to hold one funeral for one of the children, uh, one of the teenagers, and they are now trying to organize the funerals for the other three for some time later this week. So I think that's the next step. And uh, the Reverend also spoke a little bit about the level of trauma that this tragedy had caused, um, especially for the the young people who witnessed the drowning. I think, obviously, we focus on the victims, but they had friends who were there with them. So he asked everyone to hold those witnesses in their hearts, the congregation to hold them in their hearts. Uh, the Reverend also said that according to the leaders of the refugees, they've undertaken to vacate the church sometime next week. So I think that will be between Tuesday and Thursday. So we'll obviously have to wait and see what happens to them next. Mm. Jenna, thank you so much for your just kind and empathetic reporting on the story um if our listeners want to get a hold of you um via twitter how can they find you they're welcome to get hold of me on twitter my twitter handle is at jenna etheridge that's news 24's jenna etheridge thank you so much for joining us today pleasure
Elizabeth Mamakos is the editor of Parent24. She's joined us before on this podcast and and we're going to call her now. She's in our Cape Town office. This is obviously every parent's worst nightmare. So Elizabeth's going to talk us through just a couple water and beach safety tips and points for us to take note of um, as we head into the holiday season. So let's give Elizabeth a call. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. This is a horrible topic to have to to have to discuss, um, and it's it's not something any parent wants to think about. But the reality is that as we head into the festive season, um, perhaps there are some things that parents can do to just better equip themselves for their children being around water and, and the oceans specifically. Yes, they certainly are. Um, as unpleasant as it is to think that a trip to the beach could end in a tragedy, um, it's important to to be aware of the dangers. Um, for example, stats show that adolescents are most at risk of drowning, and males drown at a higher rate than females in every category. This information is useful to parents because it highlights that their boys are more at risk, but it doesn't mean they can relax around their girls either. Another age group where the risk of drowning is relatively high is the over-60s. So if kids are at the beach with grandparents, for example, perhaps while the parents are at work, it's important to be aware that this is a risky situation. In essence, parents need to know that the sea isn't safe. However, it's not all doom and gloom. Parents can take precautions by warning their kids of the dangers, ensuring the kids are water safe before allowing them into the sea or tidal pools, and by ensuring they only swim in designated areas and calm waters and close to lifeguards. And also know where your child is at all times. And if they can't swim well, then stay within arm's length of them. Don't be distracted by phones or books. It only takes a few seconds for kids to be washed away in a current. And also teach your kids to look out for danger and to look for appropriate help if they realize that they're lost or in danger themselves. Um, That's so helpful, Elizabeth. Let's just unfortunately go to the um, worst case scenario. You're on the beach and your child is missing. What do you do? Who do you speak to? Um, What happens? So immediately contact the lifeguards. They will guide you in terms of the fastest, most appropriate steps to take for the situation and the location. The NSRI website has a long list of relevant numbers by location, so it's a good idea to make sure you save that number before you even head to the beach. Um, Others who are equipped to respond to possible drownings include the South African Police Services, uh, local fire and rescue services, and EMR ambulance services. But also just note, all missing children must be reported to law enforcement immediately so a search can be conducted. And a parent will need to produce a recent photograph of the missing child and be able to share all the required information, such as what the child was wearing, his or her height, age, and so on. Right. And if you're on the beach and, heaven forbid, you should spot a child in the water in trouble, potentially drowning, um, what do you do? So call for help immediately in any way possible. Uh, It's a good idea to attract the attention of other beachgoers as there may be other competent swimmers and surfers, off-duty lifeguards on the beach who can assist. But then as a parent, I must say um, that once there are professionals on the scene, you'll have to trust them to do the right thing. And as hard as it might be, try to stay calm. Yeah, I think think that's a tough one for any parent or anybody watching the situation. But like you've detailed, um, we have just incredibly professional and equipped emergency services personnel. So it is the best option for parents just to stay calm and and let the professionals do their job. Finally, Elizabeth, I know that we're talking about drownings and water safety in particular, but um, 
being out and about on the beaches um, during this festive season or any time really comes with other risks that we sometimes don't think about. So tell us a little bit about that. So the other risks include dunes, which can be dangerous areas for children to play on. So care needs to be taken as sand can shift quickly and cover small children. Digging holes in the beach and burying someone is a fun game, but the incoming tide is actually dangerous and burying too deep will not allow the buried person space and time to escape should the waves begin to wash over them. And the sand can also move again and cover small children. Um, also, most people are aware of the dangers of riptides and freak waves and slippery rocks and so on, but may, but they may assume that tidal rivers and lakes are safer, and this isn't necessarily true. In reality, a child can drown as little as two and a half centimeters of water. So just keep a sharp eye on the kids and be sure to wear the appropriate safety gear when taking boat rides or paddle skiing on the water too. Sure. I don't think a lot of people realize that it, it just takes two and a half centimeters, you said, of water? Yes, yes. This has been so helpful, Elizabeth, and I know that Parent24 has got many more resources. So um, won't you just point us in the direction of maybe some articles or, or helpful places um, online where we can go and get more information on this topic? So on Parent24, we have got um, many articles about water safety and we, we also list um, phone numbers that you can call and we have resources that parents can download and print and take with them if they're heading to the beach. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Story is a weekly podcast by News24. It's hosted by me, Jerusha Sukthio Rath, and produced and edited by Nokotula Manyati. For more on this story, visit news24.com.